Hello and welcome to ep number three of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us once again. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Another big show for all of you guys today as we chat to Australian middle distance and distance champion and all-round nice guy, Jack McLaughlin. We discuss Jack's early days in the pool, transitioning into an elite athlete, as well as his fantastic accomplishments in the green and gold, including the Olympic Games in Rio and his huge 2018 Commonwealth Games. Now, please bear in mind when you're listening to this interview, it was done back in 2018, just before the show went on hiatus. So if some of the answers seem a little bit outdated, you will now understand why. So let's dive into the show. See what I did there? Killing it. (laughs) Wherever you're listening, put your headphones in, put your feet up, turn all your notifications off on the phone so you can't be distracted because ep number three starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. From the signature of all eyes is the great Madame Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. Best is coming back. Oh, he's surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats, Vets in the black hats, and Vets has got it. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe to the front, Thorpe to the hall, Thorpe goes in. Joining us today on the show is a man who at the recent Commonwealth Games down on the Gold Coast had a massive meet winning a gold medal in the 1500 freestyle, beating out fellow Aussie Mac Horton. He also picked up a silver medal in the 400 freestyle to cap off what was a hugely successful Games. He's in action again over the next six days down in Adelaide at the Australian Pampac Trials, securing his spot again for Tokyo in just over a month's time. He has been to the Olympics in Rio, he has been to the World Champs in Budapest, and today he adds to his impressive career highlights as he joins us on Off The Block Swimming Podcast for a chat. It is a massive welcome to Mr. Jack McLaughlin. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very, very good, and um, very happy to have you on for a chat. Where have we caught you today? Um, I'm currently just in my room in Adelaide. (laughs) Uh, getting ready for the Pampac Trials, which begins for me tomorrow night. Tomorrow night? When did you fly in this yeah. morning or yesterday? Um, flew in yesterday, about yesterday, Arvo, so had a night here already, so yeah, just settling in. <laughs> now, for all the listeners out there, I am coming to you once again from up in the studios in Brisbane. Um, and for all the people who don't know out there, mate, just give us a little insight into what training sessions look like uh, when you're so close to a competition, and especially being a distance guy. So I know this afternoon you've got to go in for a session. Yeah, so um, it's not that, not that bad at the moment leading into competition because um, obviously you don't want to be too fatigued going into racing. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not that far at the moment, but um, because the Pampac Charles, um, I was lucky enough uh, to get my spot on the team already at Com Games, um, so I don't have any pressure of trying to make a time or the team at this meet, so I'm kind of just doing through it more as a, um, a test event and um, getting some hard racing out rather than trying to do too fast times. Um, so, yeah, my training's still been pretty tough leading into this meet, so unlike um, another meet where I would, you know, come in 
pretty easy. Uh, so just in South Korea, it would be about 4K. So it's um, not that long, but not short enough where like, it's a real big taper. It's just kind of like a little little drop, just to get my body a little bit rested a day or two before we start racing tomorrow. So in terms of everyone else who has probably come into this meet tapered, how's your preparations been coming off that high on the Gold Coast? Um, yeah, really good. Um, had a bit of a break, or about like a week's break, not too long um, after Com Games, and came back, um, did, got myself back into some routine, and went over to Japan for a um, some racing over there, which was really hard. Um, some great racing over there, um, and then up for training camp in Cairns. Uh, and so, yeah, just been getting a lot of training under my belt. Um, and like I said, like training to be this meet, kind of, and um, yeah, just getting ready for a big. Big um big period into Pampak um Pampak, sorry. Yeah. Now no swimming career mate starts off with a Commonwealth Games gold medal. So this is a great chance for us all to get to know you a little bit more and take uh everyone on the journey that you've been on. So let's go back to the start. What's your earliest memories as a swimmer, as a youngster? Um, earliest memory would probably be I was really young. This is probably worse. I hated cold pools. Yeah. Um, like, just had a, I just hated them. And I, actually, I still hate them today. But I, I remember I was um, getting ready. So back at where I learned to swim at Magic College, there's a 25-meter pool, which is for more, learn to swim, and then the 50-meter pool was for more the squad. And I was kind of getting into that level where we, at the end of uh, um our lesson, um, I was in like a little squad in the 25 minute pool. We would do a couple of 50s in the big pool, so I mean the whole length of the 50. And I just, I didn't, like I was, could easily spin the 50. It wasn't about making it, it was more that I just hated how cold the big pool was. Yeah. And I would always get out and they'd be like, all right, time to go swim in the 50 minute pool. Um, so I'd get up out and walk us over and I'd always look at mum being like, can you get me out? And then I asked her one day, I was like, mum, I, can't do this anymore it's too cold can you just say i have to go every time we get out and she's like yes yes of course and then i'd get out and of course i'd look at her like can you come now and she would kind of just pretend to look away and <laughs> and, 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 and yeah it, it was it was a silly thing to be mad we're not mad um, but I just hated cold pools so much I didn't want to swim in it. Do you know what, though? I don't blame you because I've been to Nudgee College Pool and we did a meet there uh, probably earlier this year or late last year and the, that little pool was basically a spa just without the bubbles. So oh, yeah. It, I, I yeah, don't blame it, you coming out of warm. there. I think anything's <laughs> going to be cold jumping into it after that. Yeah, that pool is definitely a spa. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, were you a natural swimmer when you were younger? Um, yes and no, like, I always, like, I learned to swim when I was, like, three or four, because my, um, sister was learning to swim at the time, and I was a bit of a crazy kid, so my mum wanted me to learn how to swim, because, like, at the beach, I would just run into the ocean, <laughs> yeah. um, and so she was like, yeah, you need to learn how to swim, so put me into classes, and, like, I always, I found that I was always the youngest in my class, um, I was never the oldest, or I was, even in my squads, I was always the youngest kid. Um, and like I always did quite well when I was like 10, 11, um, like at those kind of 10, 11, 12 was like the first like kind of, you know, 
school states and stuff. So I always did pretty well at those. So um, it came naturally to me swimming. Um, but yeah, you always have your up and downs as well. Do you remember your first swim meet? Um, I wouldn't say my first, but I remember my, my first medal. Um, my first medal was at a Brisbane Brisbane swimming carnival and it was, you could only go if you hadn't gotten a medal at the Brisbane Championships Oh, yep. or something. Um, and yeah, I ended up getting a gold in the 53 and 50 breaststroke. I remember that. Pretty funny. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, they're, they're my first two. Mate, who were your heroes growing up? Which swimmers did you look up to? Um, well, uh, yeah, you can't, for me, you can't really go past, like, Grant Hackett and Ian Thorpe. Like, I was in that age where, like, I was, you know, um, I think I was nine um, when, in 2004, obviously, when Thorpe won um, Athens and Hackett won Athens. I remember getting up really early to watch Hackett in the 1500 mm-hmm. in Athens. And, um, yeah. They were definitely, yeah, you can't really go past those two. They're huge heroes to me. Around what age did swimming start to get a little bit more competitive for you? Um, I would say it started to get competitive, but like when I was, um, I said like 10, it's, you know, you start doing the school, uh, the school sport stakes. Yep. Um, and I like made the Queensland team there and, Actually, I made the city district team, and my mum was like, "All right, you did really well, but we're going to Met North now, and you know, like, don't, don't expect to be on the team." Like, um, she's getting me really like getting ready. Um, she's like, "You'll hear a lot better here." Um, so you know, like, you might not win and, and all that. Um, end up winning there, and then we went to states, and same thing. Like, you know, it's a lot better now. Like, there's everyone from the states and and all that. Um, and same thing, I, I won there. Um, and then we went on to nationals. I think we got second at nationals about ten. So it wasn't so much more competitive. It was just more like that's kind of when I noticed that you know I was actually okay at this swimming thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, from there, and then that was my first time. And then yeah, start going to the later years and into puberty and stuff where a lot of things changed quite a lot of time. So, mate, did you play any other sports when you were growing up? Um, yeah, I was really into rugby. Um, my dad's a huge rugby fan. Um, I, and I got like my huge rugby passion out of him, really. Um, I love rugby and I played rugby since I was under sixes, um, under 14s. And it was kind of like I, I made some rep teams and stuff with it and kind of got to under 14s. And, um, you know, I was late to tra- staying training because I had rugby training first and, um, in my space and all that stuff and uh, I remember I broke my collarbone in one of the games um, and my swimming coach at the time was like alright like you need to choose now are you going to go swimming or are you going to go rugby yeah. like um, you, you, you start you've got to start choosing and I was I said when puberty comes in and everything changes like I wasn't getting big and I was first in boys who was huge and growing and I was I, I feel like I was kind of going backwards in rugby rather than forwards and so yeah, I kind of like, oh, I think it's probably my better option. Um, so I went went down that road, and yeah, it seems like it's worked out. I was going to say, yeah, it seems like it's worked out for you, mate. Yeah. 
Now, one thing I like to do with all the guests that come on the show is just take them back to their younger years in training and just see if they had any bad habits because so many of our squad swimmers today have a few of these. So I just want to say a few of them and you can honestly let me know whether when you were younger, you did these as well. Yeah. All right. So what about feet on the bottom during laps? Um, I honestly can't remember whether I did that. The pool that I trained in was 10 metres, so it was pretty far down to push off. But I may have done it in like the, the short course called like 25 metre pool, but yep. not. Honestly, I don't think so. Okay, what about going to the toilet slower. mid-set for a rest? Um, I would say a rest. I was more <laughs> just like, oh, I kind of don't feel like doing this 100, I'm going to go into the toilet. But yes, I did do that when <laughs> I was younger. <laughs> uh, what about pulling on the lane ropes in backstroke? Um, no, I actually never did that. I had a coach who was very um, adamant about not doing that. And so I was, yeah. If you got caught, you were crucified. So, yeah, I, ne- I never did that um, to the point where I, I still don't do it now and my backstroke is absolutely appalling. So <laughs> sometimes I think I need to do yeah, it. contemplating. <laughs> do I just give it a read? Yeah, con- <laughs> yeah but every- everyone kind of knows how bad my backstroke is, so everyone kind of just accepts What accepts about it um, <laughs> being last in the pool? Oh, absolutely. That's today. Not to cut laps, but I just... I'm very slow at getting ready, so yeah. I'm always the last one in the pool, and um, I'm yeah, I'm constantly the last one in the pool, and um, yeah, I don't miss anything though. Like I, I miss this 300, or like the most would be like a 200 or 300, but I always make it up at the end. Or oh, um, I'm sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they all say, mate. That's what they all say. <laughs> yeah, I, I always, I always do make it up. Um, <laughs> Because, like, yeah, I'm very thinking, like, how far I did, but, yes, I'm all lost in the water. All right, mate. And finally, before they had fancy heart rate equipment and it was just you, your finger, and a pulse, did you ever lie about your heart rate? Um, I, I, I think I lied in the opposite direction, first. Oh, yeah? Because I, I was very, like, adamant about how good I was as an aerobic swimmer. Yep. Um, so when I was younger, you know, like if my heart was 150, I'd be like, oh no, it was one, it was 135, you know, like, uh, like that's how good I am. <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I was playing my heart rate down to like, no, 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 no. So yeah, when I was younger, I think I did that a little bit because, you know, I was, I was very passionate about, you know, like I'm, I'm a really good like I'm, I'm good at this stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, especially when there were a few sprinters with the heart rate around the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the sprint around the same, like, oh no, that should be there. <laughs> Mate, um, I see through my research that you made a youth Olympic team in 2013. But before I get to that, just paint me a picture of what swimming was like for a teenage Jack. Um, were you winning gold medals and state and national champs, or were you just missing out and contemplating giving it away? I mean, what was your journey like uh, between? starting to get more competitive and then obviously making your first youth team? Oh, my... Uh, <coughs> sorry. Um, my, my teenage years is very up and down, to be honest. I, so, like I said, like when I was 10 and 11, um, so my birthday is in February. Yeah. Um, so I have quite an early birthday, which is very good for school sports. Um, so I was winning states, um, 
winning states, school states, sorry, are doing really well. Nationals like 10, 11, 12, and then at Queensland states for swimming, that's in December. So my birthday was pretty good for that as well. So 10, 11, 12, like I was winning or coming second um, most of the time. So I was very good at that. And then when age nationals come around, when you're 13, um, that's in April, no. Yeah, April. April. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's in April, so, you know, it's just after my birthday. So I was... Always um, ageing up. Age, yes, yeah, so I was ageing up. So I found that really difficult. Like, I'm, I remember I was 13. I had just won the 400 free at stake. Um, and, yeah, then I aged up and I was racing all these other guys. And I think I'm pretty sure I just freaked out and I came, like, dead last. Like, yeah. purely dead last. And then... Um, and then that really took a hit on my confidence. Um, and then to the point where like, I didn't swim very well that year at States either. Um, and then I missed out completely on age nationals when I was 14. Um, so I missed that, that year. Um, and then I kind of, I think that year I was playing a bit more rugby and that's when I broke my collarbone, like I said before. Um, and then I decided, you know, come back to swimming and just, you know, give it another crack and, and I started, like, slowly getting better. Like, 15, I made Nationals again. I made the final. Um, and then 15 as well, like, when my at States again the year. Like, I was able to win that again. And I kind of just accepted that, you know, I could do well at States. But by the time I get to the Nationals, I'm going to be racing the faster guys again. So, like, it's not a big deal what happened. Um, and I made the final. And then it wasn't until, and, like, it kept going kind of like that. And then it wasn't until, like, 17 where I was able to um, get my first medal. Um, at age nationals, which I was really stoked about. Yep. Um, and then 18, yeah, got to 18, and that's that's when everything kind of like evens out. Like everyone's kind of like coming out of puberty, or some people even still go through puberty at that age. But yep. um, it it starts to even out a bit more at that point. Um, and so I started noticing that I was actually I had my first chance at winning um, a national age group gold medal at 18. But my coach at the time it was 2012. Um, and that was the Olympic year, obviously. And he was, he said that he wanted me to, um, taper for Olympic trials and race like the open boys. Cause I need to learn, like, he doesn't want me to go to 2016 trials, not having done Olympic trials before. Cause he said it's like, it's a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wanted me to do that and then not do age naturals. And I was pretty cut about that. Cause like, it was my first time that I could have won. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you're not, you're not aiming for a national age group medal. Like you're aiming to become an Olympian and win the Olympics one day and all that stuff. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's a bit up and down for me throughout my teenage life, but yeah, it got there in the end. Definitely did. As I mentioned there, mate, you got on that, uh, youth Olympic team at age 18. And whilst you're over there, you won a gold medal in your part in the four by 200 meter freestyle relay. That must have been a pretty mm. good experience for you. Yeah, um, I think I think that one was like the it's like the Youth Olympic Festival in Sydney. Um, so there's only like a few countries. I think it was like us, Japan, Canada, um, and I think another country. Um, so there's only a few, um, but the Australian team got split up into two teams because um, it's like this Youth Olympic Australian Festival, I think. Um, and yeah, I was. I, it was a really good race, and um, I remember kind of, like, yeah, it was just a good time. That was my first kind of experience of being on, like, a junior Australian team, and yeah. then that year, 
was on, um, I got selected onto the Junior World Team, which was a bigger one, because um, that was like the actual FINA run world. Um, so yeah, that was a really big year as well. Um, and yeah, that was kind of just boosted my confidence a little and started getting me on on a roll. Um, but yeah, it was it was good having um, the Youth Olympic Festival because that was it was more of a um, introduction. The whole kind of process was all about the introduction to being an elite athlete, and we got talked like how to how to do with a drug test and um, and all that stuff, like funny stories about um, people failing that. So not failing a drug test, but um, stuffing up on a drug test. Yeah. Like one of the boys, um, he was talking. He was a very accomplished swimmer, and he was talking about his first time getting a drug test. And he he was stoked. You know, you get free Gatorade or free water. Um, they just get give it to you because you need to pee. And um, anyway, he downed them, and within a within like twenty minutes, he really needed to go and. He went to the toilet and he put the cup on a ledge above his head and he put it on the ledge and didn't put it back further enough, far enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he was peeing, the, like, yeah, the, it, it fell back onto him. <laughs> um, and so that was, that was his first ever drug test. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of puts you into a state where you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. If that happens to someone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a good introduction, really. Mate, 2016, you swam probably one of the races of your life in the uh, 1500 at the trials. You dropped about, I think it's 24 seconds or something like that, and you yeah. just spot on the team to head to the Rio Olympics. Talk to me about some of the things that you had to do differently or change to make that step up to the elite level and make your first sort of senior Australian team. Yeah, so um, in 2015, my at-time coach, Matt Brown, had to moved down to Melbourne um, for coaching um, and at that stage I was kind of like oh I don't want to move um, I've got uni up here girlfriend family friends um, you know, I don't want to move so you know I'm just going to stay in Brisbane and I was contemplating quitting quitting swimming or changing clubs or I didn't really know what to do and um, and I talked to Michael Bowl at St. Peace and he said to try Vince Rally at um, Chandler like it probably really beneficial for me and I said like all right like I'll give him a call so called up Vince and Vince said come in next morning um give it a try out and we'll have a meeting after to see how you go and yeah uh had a meeting and he pretty much told me that because with my old, old coach I was doing I was training for 200 and 400 yeah. and I kind of just did and I did the 1500 because it's always the last event so like it doesn't really matter if you do it or not do it like it's not going to affect your other events um so, yeah, and he said pretty much, um, look at your time to 1500. Like, if, you, if you're telling me what is true, you are actually a really good 1500. Like, because I wasn't doing the training for it. Um, yeah. I was doing like four, 5K sessions nine times a week. And he was like, you go, I was probably hitting like just under 50K a week, like probably 45. And he said, you got to be doing up to 70K a week. Um, and if you, what you're telling me is true, like your PB is 15, 16, like that is really good considering how little you do. Um, and I was like, I'm prepared to do whatever it takes to make the team. And yeah, like. Did that proposition and, scare you a little bit though with the, the jump in Ks? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it really scared me. But I, yeah, like I said, I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be on the team. And, and he kind of said, yep, like that's the attitude that I want. And um, yeah, let's do it. And, yeah, so did that, you know, 
started bumping up the Ks, mm. did more work for a fifteen hundred. Um, you know, like my my main set started going from like fifteen hundred of quality work to always three K of quality work in my main set. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like I went from fifteen sixteen, and then within within about six weeks of training events, I went to fifteen twelve. Um, and then obviously giving me a couple of months, it like really dropped. Um, and yeah, like everyone, everyone gets really surprised by how much I dropped, but at the same time I was kind of like, Oh, well, I was expecting a big drop. Um, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that much, but you know, I was expecting at least, you know, 15 seconds or something. Um, so yeah. What about, um, any pre-race rituals? You got any? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, various rituals, I tend to wear quite crazy socks. Um, it's not really a ritual. I kind of just started doing it and then liked it. And so just kept on doing it. What sort of crazy <laughs> um, socks? What do you got on there? Dogs, cats? Oh, uh, just like different patterns. Like uh, like the brand Happy Socks, I wear a lot. Um, at the moment, I've got like stripes of red, <laughs> yellow, blue, um, and they're like always like very very high socks. Um, I have like Einstein socks with like Einstein's face on them. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so that's kind of like a pre-race thing. Um, and then I always I always hop on the block on the left side. Not something that's like too particular. Like I'm not too particular about it, but I, I find that I just do it. Um, but if you had to go on the yeah, right side, would you freak out? Uh, not really. Like, okay. it's just the kind of thing. Yeah. But I always go up and left. Um, yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, I always have to stand up on the block first, like, never go into, like, before I take a couple of, like, deep breaths. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Mate, talk to me about this metronome thing I was reading about in my research. What is it? Oh, just like a metronome. Um, like, you know, like a metronome, how it, like, beats per minute and stuff? Yep. Um, and then, so like with your stroke, you know how you would have, um, like a 37 stroke rate. Um, so I talked to my sports scientist like two days before my 1500 before Olympic trials and he said like, we're going to be holding 36, um, a 36 rate. And I was like, okay, um, I know, I know 36 is like, but I was like, I can hold 37. Like I know I can hold 37. Yeah. And he said, if you go 37, you're going to go under 14.50. Or when, um, if you're 36, you're going to go under 14, um, 15 minutes, and that's what we need. He's like, so you just need to go 36. Um, 37 is like too much of a risk, like you might blow it. And I was like, no, like, I know I can hold 37. Yeah. And he was like, no, just go 36. Like, um, 37 is like too much of a risk. And I was like, okay, okay, like, all right. Um, and he's like, so I want you like to have it in your ear, like, 24 hours beforehand and just leave it there. Um, like everything you're doing, just have it there. And so that's what I did like 24 hours. I just kind of had it in my ear the entire time, like getting in the rhythm of it, like getting prepared. Um, and you know, when you have it in there for so long, it kind of becomes like a subconscious kind of beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually did turn it up to 37, um, <laughs> uh, the 24 hours. Um, so I had it 37 and, and then, yeah, I went, and I'm going 1448. <laughs> Um, which was under the 1450, which he said, and I came back um, after the race, and I was like, I told you I could hook 37, and he was like, yeah, yeah, you showed me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, that's that's the kind of thing I use it for in training. I would yeah. hold it to like thirty-seven strokes. That's the pace that I hold. Um, and yeah, I just use it in training, and then use it before I race. You know, just get that um, that feeling in my head of what the beat of my arm should be feeling like. Mate, your Rio experience, firstly out of the pool, what was that like? Oh yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like um, out of the pool, seeing guys like. Novak Djokovic and um, Rafael Nadal like walking through this, the village like it's pretty surreal seeing all these like crazy athletes um, and yeah so yeah it's a lifetime um, experience of a lifetime um, and yeah it's just it was an awesome time did you get to mingle with any of them have a chat did you see Usain Bolt and just go up and say hey man how's your day been um, no not really um, I was pre- I'm pretty shy around that kind of stuff yeah um, and you know they're all trying to do their stuff as well. I remember Novak Djokovic having to, he was practicing um, having a hit on the tennis court, so he, he had to lock the door because of, um, you know, everyone was like trying to run in to like hit a ball with him, and he was just trying to have a hit with his with, with his partner. So, you know, he like put it like a lock on the on the door and ended up being um, just having a hit, which was really cool. So like, everyone just kind of watched, but yeah. Mate, racing-wise, though, you finished ninth, and so often people on the side um, put expectations on you as the public or as the coach or as the team or whatever, but did your race live up to your own expectations? Uh, it was a bit of a tough one, to be honest. Um, I missed out on the final by 0.4 of a second. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I probably should have been in the final, um, given the time. Um that like my PB going in was pretty high up and yeah, I just, in my final, I got third in my heat um, behind Gregorio um, Poltineri and Connor Jaeger who ended up going first and second in the final. Um, and, you know, I kind of thought I was doing, doing pretty well because I was behind them. Um, and yeah, like I, I was definitely going as hard as I could. I wasn't like, I wasn't trying to pace myself or anything, but you know, subconsciously, I think that I was, I thought I was going better than what I thought I was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just, just missing out of the final, like, there's a bit of a bit of a killer because uh, I really wanted to do well. But, yeah, like, you live and you learn and those kind of things. And, yeah. Well, that leads me on to the next one. It was your first senior team. What did you learn from Rio? Yeah, definitely um, about the high expectation of being an athlete and all that stuff. And, and yeah, I, I really just wanted to do better next time. Um, getting getting ninth was just a killer, and you know I still haven't made a, one of those big finals at World Olympics. So that's my next goal is to try and get there next year at World Championships. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just a more like three times. It's a it's a killer of a race because like it's so long that you know you're trying to save as much energy as you can for the final, but at the same time you're trying to make the final. Um, mm. That's, it's one of those really tough ones where, like, if you're on this cusp, like, like me, where, like, you're well ranking from, like, fifth, um, like, all around that kind of area, um, there's a lot of people all really close together, um, and so they're all trying to make the, um, all trying to make that final, so, yeah, it's pretty tough, and, but, yeah, you, I, I'm, I'm so learning how to, how to do it, how to do it better. Mm. 
We fast forward though, mate, to the Gold Coast earlier this year and everyone's been saying just how good the Com games were. Outside of the pool though, what was it like being an Aussie uh, in the team camp there? Was it hard to not get swept up in all of the excitement and, and try and stay focused? Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was tough. Um, the advantage that I kind of had was that I was able to swim the 400 day one where I got a silver. Mm. Um, so I was really happy from that. And so that kind of gave me, so in Rio, my race was until day eight. So I was sitting in a pool for eight days getting ready to getting ready to race. So that was really tough. Whereas at Com Games, I was able to do the 400, you know, get my excitement out of the way day one, like, you know, have a really good day. And then I was able to just kind of relax for a couple of days, get get my body back into um, a bit of work and just have a bit of a rest before my 1500. And because of that, because I was able to race and you know, let out some excitement before my 1500, I think it allowed me to relax a bit um, and go and get ready for the 1500 rather than in Rio. I was just, because I hadn't been race at all, I was just, you know, really hyped the entire time. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a bit difficult, but it, I think it was a lot better having the 400 at the start. Well, you certainly let out some excitement, mate. You got a silver in the 400, yeah. as you said. You must yeah. have been pretty happy with that. Yeah, I was stoked at that. Um, you know, I just, this is my first year racing the 400 internationally at an international level, and I was, I was really, really happy to get on the team for it, um, let alone, you know, get a silver medal. And um, it was a classy field with, like, James Guy. He was a silver medalist in the 400 Worlds in 2015 and world champion in 2015 and 203, so... And obviously Mac as well, um, who's Olympic champion, and it, it was a tough race. And yeah, I was just really happy to um, get that get that silver in that one. Um, and yeah, it's a really fun event. So yeah, I was just really happy with how that all went. Before I get to the fifteen hundred race itself, I'd love to get a great insight from you for all the swimmers out there, um, just in the way you approach your fifteen hundred race plan. Now, I'm assuming yourself and your coach Vince have a certain structure in the way you want to race it, pacing wise, stroke weight, uh, rate wise, sorry, etc. So, from the time you dive off the blocks, free plug there for mm-hmm. my own show, off the blocks. What um, <laughs> what are you thinking? Um. Yeah, just trying to get into that rhythm. Um, I'm a, quite a rhythm swimmer. Yeah. Um, so, like I said about my stroke rate, um, just trying to get into that stroke rate rhythm as quickly as possible. Um, and then always trying to descend into the 500s. So, first 500 should be quite comfortable. Second 500, quite hard. And first, third 500, like just whatever you got left. And, you know, if you do a world, it should always, all should be quite even splits. Um, but, yeah, it's, all, it's about... I think the biggest thing for kids in the 1500 these days is I had this problem when I first started is, you know, the first 400, you're thinking, oh, this is so easy. Like, I can do this all day. And then, mm. you know, you hit the 700 and you're like, oh, my God, like, what has happened? Um, and so I had that problem when I was younger. I, I would think that, like, this is really easy pace. Um, and then I get to 800 and I'll die. Um, so, like, whatever you, whatever you think is easy, you got to cut that back even more. And go even easier than what you think. Um, that's a, that's a big thing for me is trying to get that get that um, rhythm and then getting the right the, the pacing right really. Um, and then other than that, you know, it's all about fifteen hundred is very big on mental toughness. Like you know, when it starts hurting, you just got to tighten those screw, screws even further because um, you know someone else is going to be hurting right next to you. So it's all about just you know applying more pressure and more pressure and more pressure. 
Do you ever change your race plan um, to suit who you're racing? So, for example, if you know someone else goes out a little bit harder or something like that, or do you never waver from what you know you're good at? Um, yes and no. Um, if if I think I can match it with someone, mm. um, then I will change it a little. Um, if I think that to my race plan, it's going to be a bit too different from my race plan, um, then I'll just stick to my race plan. Um, but then I do, I do like to race the race kind as well. Um, I like to, you know, if someone goes out hard, um, you know, I like to, would, would like to be on their hip, um, and give them a bit of a scare. Um, because if they go out hard and I'm going to be out with them and then they'll probably have a bit of a scare knowing that, you know, like I have a good back end. And, and you stuff, back so. yourself to get over the top of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I do, um, I do change every now and again, you know, to according to who I'm racing and stuff, but, uh, not, not a huge lot. I kind of do tend to stick to my race plan and yeah. Mate, you went 14-4709 at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast and you win gold for Australia. You must have been mm-hmm. pretty wrapped with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like the scenario, it's just such a huge event that I was just so stoked to, you know, get my name um, up there with them. And, um, and yeah, I was just super stoked at the time. And first, the silver medal in the 400 was amazing. And, yeah, I know sitting... Sitting at home watching the Glasgow 1500, like I never thought I would be the next one to win it, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah like I was at home sitting on the couch watching it. Um, and like if someone was to say, you know, you're going to be the next Commonwealth Games, you're going to win that race, I'll be like, whatever, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was really cool. And um, it's, it's hard to explain in words, really. Like I was just so over the moon with it how it all went and, you know, raced it really well. And, yeah, I was just really stoked. Mate, we just talked about the race plan before for the Commonwealth Games 1500. What was your race plan there? Did that change or was it the same as we spoke about before? Um, it's kind of the same, but I knew that I knew that Mac would have a big last. Um, he'd be really close to me in that, um, uh, like, the last last 200, yeah. um, I knew that he'd have a, that really fast finishing speed. Um, and I knew Jarvis as well. He has a really strong last 200 as well. Mm. Um, so I, I knew I had to push Mac all the way, um, you know, just make sure that he's he's not having an easy swim. Um, so really trying to, trying to push him and then also get a lead on Jarvis. Mm. Um, so that was kind of my, my race plan. And it worked out pretty well. Like I was able to, you know, control the race how I wanted to control it most of the time. Um, and yeah, so it, it went really well. And um, obviously, Mac and I are really good, really good mates. So, um, and we race each other all the time. So, you know, I, I knew that he, if he was close to me, like he would have that speed. Um, so I was just, you know, trying to get, get a good lead and just hoping to hold on to the other. So but, I was going to say, yeah, it went pretty well. The last 100, the last 50, where you're just like, I'm home, or you're just still in your head going, come on, we've got to get there, we've got to get there, we've got to get there. Uh, nah. Um, so Jarvis, back in 2014, he he dropped a crazy last 100 to beat Jordan Harrison to get a bronze in the 1500. Yeah. So the whole time I was like, oh, this guy better not do that to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I was getting, I was just getting ready for it. I was, I was prepared. Um, I was getting my, my mind ready. Just to be like, all right, like when he comes, you just got to push. Um, so yeah, I was the last fifty. Like I had a, like a huge lead going to the last fifty, but I was still like, all right, just got to turn it on and you know make it. <laughs> Mate, what was it like swimming in front of your family and friends at a home games? Oh, it was, it was surreal. Like um, my girlfriend and my parents. Um, at, were able to come see me in Rio, which is really amazing. Um, and yeah, for them to, for like my extended family and friends to come see me race the Com Games was amazing. And, and even just like the whole crowd in general, like it was just crazy loud walking out and it just really got me hyped. And, you know, the last 500, I could see like the whole crowd, like getting on their feet, you know, getting, getting home. And yeah, it was just, it's cool to see how many people just love swimming and love to get out and, and watch it. And, Yes, it was just an amazing experience. Like one that I'll take to my grave for sure is having my closest family and friends there, and then having the whole, um, all the crowd cheering for you. It's, it's it's an amazing experience. Another moment though, mate, singing a national anthem, dream come true. Oh yeah, um, especially with the home crowd. Like uh, yeah, it, it's it's kind of daunting. Like you don't, you don't want to sing too loud in case you know, someone has a cheeky microphone needs you or something. <laughs> um, because I have a terrible singing voice, but yeah, I, I, it, it was a dream come true, really. And um, see the see the national flag um, being raised for you, it, it, it's incredible, really. It's always a great moment, but I always wish sometimes they just cut straight into the second verse of the national anthem too, just to trip everyone up because <laughs> no one will know what the hell the words are. Yeah, you see that, that when I was in primary school, we got taught the second verse, so I know the second verse. Oh, you would have killed it. Right? The crowd yeah, would have so went I, silent I and you would have kept going. <laughs> yeah, I would have, see, that would have been my true um, patriotism. Like, <laughs> everyone would have been very impressed with it. Mate, talk to me about your coach, Vince Rowley. What's he like on pool deck and what don't we get to see? Um, Vince, he's, he's a very funny character. Um, I actually gave him a... Uh, he had an award at the Asada Coaches Conference and... Alan Thompson, who was the uh, the national head coach a couple of years ago, he gave the award and he, he described Vince as um, Vince is like a like a reptile. Um, you leave him alone, um, and he's a very pleasant um, pleasant person, and, uh, and likes to you know be by themselves and stuff. But but then if you poke him with a stick, um, reacts very violently, which <laughs> um, which I laughed about quite. Because I, I love him, so I think he has a great sense of humor, um, sense of character, and yeah. you know he's from someone outside of the squad looking in. Um, it might seem um, like Vince, uh, you know, is just a swim coach, but he's a lot more than that to us. Like um, he gives us a lot of advice, and he's a very funny character as well. Like has a very dry sense of humor that I love, and um, cracks me up quite a lot of times. And um, and then yeah, at the same time, is very hard enough, um, which gets results and. Um, and yeah, like it's it's a great environment to be around. Um, you know, he's getting us ready to be elite athletes, and um, but also at the same time, like we do enjoy training with him, and it's very fun at the same time. Um, so yeah, it's 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 hard to explain, um, but it's something you just got to experience. Like from the outside, it looks very different. Um, but yeah, once you once you're in the squad, it's very funny and. Um, yeah, just 
very random a lot of times. Like, he say a lot of random things. You're just like, where did that come from? <laughs> it keeps it interesting. Oh, yeah, it's good. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you never really know what, you, what to expect. Mate, apart from obviously making that big transition for you, um, when you came to Vince and, and getting you involved to, to swim for the 1500, how else has he helped you? Um, just like everyday kind of thing, like always offering advice, um, you know, uh, not really directly from him, but um, from, from a uni point of view, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm at uni doing engineering, it's a very full-on mm. course. Um, I only do part-time, but it's still quite full-on for me and yeah, like, I, I tried to do as best as I can, and he was actually like, oh, my son's doing engineering, you should meet him, and I met his son, and, like, and now we do engineering together, like, we both try to do the same subjects oh, and stuff. Nice. Yeah, so he's always looking out for everyone and trying to make everyone um, fit in um, to have the best experience, so yeah. Mate, apart from engineering studies, which I'll get to in a second, what else do you get up to outside of the pool? Um, I love... This is this is a tough one because I try to do it as much as I can, but it's hard trying to fit in the right time because um, I love wakeboarding. Yeah. Um. So I love to go up to Bly Bly at the cable park up there, but it's it's a hard one because like it's a bit of a bit of a risky one. Mm. Um. Like obviously I don't do it like too close to competitions or too close in like hard training and stuff. So I tend to do it more on breaks um, rather than anything. Um. So I don't get to do it as much as I would like to, but. I do very much that. And then other than that, um, I watch a lot of movies and play a lot of video games. <laughs> um, when I'm not, when I'm not studying, um, they're my kind of my go-tos, you know, I really like, um, computer building, um, and then playing games like on the computer and, um, and then, yeah, like watching a lot of movies with my girlfriend. Um, uh, we go to the movies quite a lot. Um, so yeah, they're kind of my hobbies. What was the last movie you watched? Um, she, um, my girlfriend and I actually went and saw Incredibles 2 on Wednesday night, which was really good. <laughs> it was good? Yeah, I loved it. Oh, I my loved wife's it. been trying to get me to take her to watch that, and I've just been sort of putting it off. But now oh, it's actually it's good, really good. She's going to hear this, so now I'm going to have to <laughs> We're going to have to go. Oh, uh, yeah, you, you definitely have to. Like, um, I loved the first Incredibles, and that was when I was really young. Um, and then, yeah, it was, I reckon it's even... It's close to being better than the first one. Oh, so. all right, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Mate, something <laughs> that definitely caught my eye while I was doing my Googles on you was that along with your dreams of obviously being an Olympic medalist, you also said that you wanted to be a world-leading structural civil engineer so <laughs> that took a while for me to get out but so often um mate you hear stories of elite athletes not having a plan for post swimming how important is it to you that you are successful both in and out of the pool um yeah it's huge like i said um before like i do civil engineering and yeah it's just it's a thing that um you just got to have as a swimmer especially someone like me like you know i'm not um like getting huge like gold medals or anything not like making a lot of money like I'm doing I'm doing the sport because I love it not, not to make money and mm. so I can't rely on it at the end of the, um, to I can't rely on swimming you know to be my forever career um, and so I just got to make sure that I at the end of the swimming that I have something that I can fall back onto um, and then finish off finish off my swimming um, go into engineering and yeah hopefully Get a good job and um, yeah, just finish it off and 
become, like I said, like a world class engineer. And it, it's a tough one, but yeah, I just something that I'm going to have to try and do. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we have a lot of younger swimmers who listen to the podcast. What advice would you give them about reaching their goals and, and staying motivated? Um, it's just more about like don't don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You know, set your goal and um, go for it because uh, you never really know what will happen. Like I said back in 2014, I was sitting on the couch and watching the 1500, and never thought I'd be the next one to win it. Uh, so it's about setting your goals and and then setting like your big goals. Like you know, I want to be an Olympian, um, but then setting the small goals in between those. Like you know, I want to make an Australian age final. Because, um, like, everyone goes up and down to their career. It's, like Vince said, it's not a... Vince wants this diagram of how your swimming career would look. And he's like... And it's not a um, linear line going straight up. It's a step, step-by-step step kind of process. Like, you know, it might step up and then you might take a huge step down. So, yeah, something um, to focus on all those steps, but rather just, you know, keep pushing for that end goal and not letting anyone tell you um, tell you otherwise, but at the same time, you also got to try to have balance. Um, you know, friends, social life, um, work, um, work or studies, um, and then swimming. So you know, my big three are: I um, obviously swim, um, have, and then do civil engineering uni, um, and then girlfriend and family and friends are a huge part of my life as well. Um, make sure that I keep keep on top of all those things and. Yeah, and you should have a successful formula to doing whatever you want, really. Sounds like great advice, mate. Um, you've been on an Aussie team now with the Com Games. You've been to Rio. I just want to find out a little bit more about the Australian team for all the listeners out there. So in your own opinion, I'm going to start a sentence, and I just want you to finish it off with the name of a swimmer yeah. on the team that you think it best suits. Yeah. So we're going to go with first the funniest person on the team is. This was a tough one because I felt because he just retired. Um, but when he was on the team, like back in 2016, Matabu was just hilarious. Yeah, um, he was definitely like the spotlight of the team for um, comedy reasons. Um, so I don't know whether I can say him because he just retired, but like he's still around the team very much now. Um, more of like a. Um, a union kind of person um, helping out with the Australian Swimmers Association. Yeah, no, that's um, okay. I'll accept it. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, he was definitely the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> what about the biggest pest on the team? Biggest pest? Uh, I wouldn't say anyone's the biggest. The biggest pest, um, really. But like, um, a good mate, Clyde Lewis. He he's a bit of a bit of a funny one, and always always trying to um, do a bit of, do some jokes and stuff. So I wouldn't banter? say he's a pest. Yeah, he loves the banter. Yeah, so I would say he's a pest, but he loves a bit of banter. <laughs> what about the um, the leader or leaders of the team? Um, yeah, the leaders would definitely be, like, on the male side, you have Mitch Lark and Matt Cord and then um, Josh Beaver, and then on the female side, you have Jessica Ashwood, um, Britt Elmsley, and Bronte Campbell. And then, so they're, they're the primary leaders who are actually, like, the leadership team. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's so much more than that. Like you have MC Long, um, Kate Campbell, um, Dave McKeon, you know, who've been on the team for so long now who provide the leadership through all their experiences and through their leadership skills. Like 
although they're not, they may not be the leadership team, um, for me, they're still huge leaders in my eyes. What about the best singer or dancer on the team? Um, best singer or dancer? Best dancer would probably have to go to Cody, Cody Nagawati um, from Melbourne Big. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got some dance moves, I know. <laughs> um, um, other than that, everyone, you know, once we finish, finish this, um, the competition, everyone gets a bit of a boogie on. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What about the person who gets uh, gives you, sorry, the best advice? Um, best advice, I'll probably have to say, like, I'll, like Jessica Ashwood gives me great advice. Um, she's a training partner of mine, so yeah, she's always giving me really good advice and um, tips and tricks and stuff. And she's been on the team since two thousand eleven, so you know, uh, she's she's always there because um, we train together in the same squad. So yeah, she's always giving me really good. Really good advice. Finally, mate, when we redo this interview in three years' time, what accomplishments do you think I'll be adding to my intro about you? Um, well, I'd I'd love to be an Olympic medalist. Um, so, if that, if that's the only addition, I'd be over the moon with that. Um, so, yeah, that that would be my biggest biggest dream and aspiration. Though, would just be get on that diet and take their twenty twenty. It's not a bad one to chuck in there, is it? No, not at all. But yeah, I, all things come come together well. Like you know, hopefully it ends up there. But you know, we'll see. And um, I can't control what everyone else does. Can only focus on what I can do at the moment. So Absolutely. yeah, just better try and focus on myself. Mate, I think we'll wrap it up there and we'll let you get off to training. We've probably kept you no, long no, enough and you're probably you. going to get in trouble from Vince when you rock up a little bit late. <laughs> no, I think I'll be on time, so that'll be all right. Oh, sweet. Uh, mate, thank you very much for agreeing to come on for a chat. I know how busy you are right now down there in Adelaide and I appreciate you taking the time to come on and share some of your stories. No worries. Mate, good luck over the next week down there. We look forward to seeing you racing once again and hopefully getting you on for a chat once somewhere down the track. Um, yeah, no worries. Until then, mate, thank you very much for coming on Off the Block Swimming Podcast. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. A massive thanks again to Jack McLaughlin. He really is one of the nicest guys you will ever have the chance to have a chat with and we definitely appreciate him taking the time out to come on the show for a chat. Thank you all, the listeners out there, for tuning in and downloading another episode of our show. Our numbers are going up each and every single week with people listening from Australia, America, Canada, England, and generally all over the world. So we really do appreciate the support, and hopefully once again this week you've come away from the show entertained. Again, if you're a fan of Season 2 so far, but you've only just joined the show, make sure you go back and listen to Season 1 of Off the Block Swing Podcast. There you will find some fantastic interviews with Libby Trickett, Matt Wilson, Taylor McEwen, and many, many more. Also, if you're interested in sponsoring our show or advertising your products and company with us, be sure to get in contact with us via email at offtheblockswimmingpodcast at hotmail.com. Or reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram at Off The Block Swimming Podcast for more information. Our next show will drop on Friday the 20th of March and will feature an interview with Australian team member who has already booked her ticket to Tokyo Olympics later this year. She's also the current Aussie 10K champion and of course I'm talking about Karina Lee. But until then, we hope you all have a wonderful day. Continue to live the dream. And it's bye for now. I just wanna be with you.